Welcome to the Night Shift Football Podcast, episode 65. We've reached retirement age. Yay for us. We're going to go now into the sunset. See you later. Thanks for listening. Ha, ha, ha. Very funny. Uh, plenty to get through again, as usual. Night Shift Derby, Live Spurs, Man City stormed away with some goal difference at the top of the league. Is it over? Can Liverpool turn it around still? Who knows? Celtic have pretty much wrapped up the title in Scotland with Ange Postacoglu. There was a Madrid derby, and we'll jump straight into it. Tommy's on the other end of the line once again. Episode 65. How are you feeling about it? I'm happy. Uh, I get to cash in all of my investment properties now, just try and dilute my, my capital gains so much that I can still take the pension and Continue my, my boomer ways, suckling on the teat of society that I ruined. What are we doing? Football All right. Club? How about the football version of how you're doing? Uh, it's about the same. <laughs> Leeds are staring into the abyss, Sam. Where- suckling at the teat of the squad that was ruined by Bielsa. Ah, that was low. Oi, oi, oi. That we'll was- be suckling, suckling at the teat of the parachute payment soon enough. You will be. You will be if you go down, that's for sure. We'll start with the night shift derby because it was Arsenal versus Leeds at the Emirates. Um, I'm going to go with disaster for Leeds. Bit of a disaster. Mm. It looked it looked like disaster. After 10 minutes, you thought, Jesus Christ. No, after 27 minutes, you thought, oh my God, we're 2-0 down, a man down. We're just playing atrociously. Rafinha's like doing everything he can to get sent off. Yep. I had no words. I was just in disbelief. I was so hollow inside. I didn't even feel sad. It was just like, oh God, this is what a side that gets relegated looks like. Yeah, very much that way. Uh, Put in the context of the other game that night where Everton beat Leicester, really sinking, really sinking the boot into Leeds. Uh, One question, what was Melia doing? What was Melia doing? Because we don't have to do that Bielsa must play out from the back. He, I, it, was, it was actually in the post game by one of the pundits quite well broken down. He just, he doesn't lift his head as the ball is like coming to his foot. So he never clocks that Nketi has read it. So it's, yep. it's just, a, it's a lapse in concentration. I think why is Ailing passing it to him in that circumstance? It's not the greatest pass and it's the worst position to be trying. He's a left-footed goalkeeper and you've given it to, not that yep. he shouldn't be able to kick with both feet, but still. He should be able to do enough to smack the ball out. Yeah, and it's he doesn't have to play that chip ball to the fullback anymore like Bielsa demanded. So, I don't know. Is that ingrained in him now because he's only ever played pro football with Bielsa? I'm, I'm unsure, but... I don't I, think I'm, so. I'm, I'll put I'm it down as a to, dumb moment. Yeah, I'm going to give it more to Enkedia. I thought that was just such... He was so hungry from the outset, and that's such a yep. great read of the danger. And uh, very similar to the Mane slide challenge goal. Uh, is this, this is becoming yeah. a thing. This is becoming a thing, which is cool. It's becoming a thing because keepers are being dumbos. (laughs) It is that. It's that play out at all costs. You see it in the A-League in Australia a little bit to death. Um, When you've got such high-pressing transition sides now, uh, it's not, you know, I think maybe we're going to see the end, not the end, but the over-reliance of goalkeepers playing balls out from the six-yard box. It may begin to become a thing of the past. Yeah, I think most of the time the issue doesn't even come from the pass the keeper makes. It comes from the keeper dawdling on the ball and taking too long. That's definitely been the case. I've noticed it a few times this year with Edison and Allison. It's crept into their game a little bit. They're mostly excellent goalkeepers, both 
with the ball at their feet, at their feet, and in terms of actual goalkeeping, like saving shots. But it sneaks in this confidence that keepers shouldn't have on the ball. This mm. confidence that they can stand there and take all the time in the world. They somehow always miss the winger or the striker coming at them. Yeah, it's bizarre. They get tunnel vision. But I think they're all guilty of it. Larice, De Gea, Pickford. I think we, Ramsdale, we've all seen different incidences of these guys getting caught on the ball. Um, I don't know. I guess it's the risk that you take. Yeah, it is. Um, thoughts on the red card, Ailing? Well, if the slide challenge wasn't dead, it's it's well and well and truly cremated now. Um, because I think what, he's been sent off because it's dangerous or because it's out of control like what's the actual uh, it's two feet and the studs are up as well he hasn't jumped through the air but it's it's two feet and it's studs and that's what yeah that's always but it is out of control too by the looks um, you, but you can you can say it's out of control but i would argue that he knows exactly what he's doing and he's totally because he sizes him up five yards out from the challenge yeah. basically and so he's Yes, it's it's a dirty thing to do, and uh, his his intent is to make a statement. It is to crunch. I think it, it was is. Martinelli. Yeah, but at the same time, I don't think he does it in a dangerous way. Uh, I don't know. I, I know it's a red card. The, They've been given all the season. The two feet, the two feet thing is what's done it. Yeah, yeah. You'd, get, you'd probably get away with one foot on that. The way he, because he comes with both feet straight at him, that's always going to be a red, and probably always should be. It's, they know the rules. One foot for a slide tackle, not both. And is is there's no effort to keep the studs down either. It's just it looked reckless. On first viewing, I thought he on first viewing it was so bad. I actually thought he just slipped. It does he look maybe like slipped that. and carried through. And then you see the replay and like he's just gone in trying to mow him down. And then I'm not sure what Rafinha is complaining about. He's not complaining. He's wanting to leave the field, I think, at that point. He's just like, nah, fuck this. I'm gonna get the hell out of here. This sucks. Quick, ring Jacko. Get 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 my agent on the phone. Get me to Barcelona right now. I'm sick of this shit. I'm not having a relegation on my resume. Yeah, well, he he might well have that relegation on his resume. We'll know in a few weeks. For Arsenal, huge, um, huge few weeks for them. They now find themselves just one point off of Chelsea in third, but still right in the jaws of Tottenham. Tottenham are four points behind, and the way. These teams have been playing all season. Uh, a four-point turnaround wouldn't be all that surprising. Not at all. And I wouldn't be hugely satisfied with this victory, given that it was 2-0 a man up in total control. And then they really took their foot off the gas, Arsenal. And they lost control of the game in the second half and very easily could have dropped two points. Mm. There was a few chances for Leeds right at the death. And you just you think, why have they let this entirely lackluster, terribly constructed 10-man side back into the game. And it's, it's a fatal flaw of Arsenal's all season, I think, is that sometimes they go missing in games and they kind of lose. It wasn't even like Jesse Marsh had outcoached Arteta or anything. It's just the desire and the, the activity levels of the players dropped below that of Leeds and they couldn't get an ascendancy back into the game. Yeah, I agree. It looked like the way... Uh, the second half was kind of the way Arsenal played against Brighton when they lost to them at home, the way they played against Palace when they lost to them. Um, I think it's the sort of thing that uh, earlier in the season would have would cop a bit more attention, but at this at this time of season, generally 
lots of people are happy to take more liberties with the yeah. the old uh, results versus style argument. So as long as the three points are there at this point of the, at this time of year, um, that's what everyone's most interested in. So yeah, that's um, fair. From that point of view, I guess yeah. Just um, had three. a couple of had a couple of quick takeaways from the game. Uh, Leeds received their ninety third, fourth, fifth, and sixth caution of the season which is more than any EPL side has accumulated in the EPL era. Fucking pigs. Thugs. Dirty, dirty leads are Dirty back. leads. Yeah. But remar- remarkable in that, that there's only been two red cards and both of them have been VAR uh, overturning the referee's on-field decision, which yeah. <laughs> I think that's crazy. Um, yeah. well, congratulations, Leeds. Well, at least we're going to go down with some kind of title, some kind of recognition we definitely left a statement this season um the other one was oh yeah Leeds have conceded 75 goals now second most in second most in the league just behind Norwich you also got thumped on the weekend 4-0 yes um no side has ever stayed up if they've conceded this amount of goals does not look good I feel like someone someone else lost 4-0 but I can't think of it we'll Maybe later we'll remember and get to it. Other than, yeah, other than Norwich to West Ham. I'm not sure. Yeah, someone lost 4-0. Maybe we'll remember by the end of the episode and get to it. I might have to do some Googling. If only we had that guy to Google for us. Uh, How about the, uh, do you have anything else on that? Do you have any more takeaways there you're going to add? Oh, just, I just love watching uh, Erdegaard play. Oh, he's a gem. Now that he's been given the armband at 23, he is, he's just phenomenal. Oh, yeah. True. I cannot wait to see the next five years of this guy. He, I reckon he's going to be KDB level. He, um, it's his. It's the movement, isn't it? It's the, the floating movement. around, the moving around the box, the his passing range and kind of vision. It's excellent. Yeah. Uh, his shooting needs some work. If he adds goals to his game, which I think he will, uh, he will be unstoppable. And yeah, very much in the. I'm not saying he's as going to be as good as KDB, but he's in that mold of player. I'm saying it. I reckon it will be. Yeah. I don't want to say it because I'm an Arsenal fan. People will think that's yeah. bias. It will be a little bit biased from you, but you know he's been a professional from the age of 16, 17 years old. Um, this guy's been exposed to the highest levels of football for a long time, and he's only going to get better by the look of it. He looks yeah. settled. He looks comfortable. He's got a manager that believes in him, plays a style that suits him. He's going to be great. Well, now that we're finished making everyone listen to us talk about our own teams on our <laughs> own podcast, let's love the love the night shift derby. Let's. Uh, I know we have a bunch of uh, Liverpool listeners, and oh, I really feel for them after this weekend's result. Because um, I, I do want to see this title race go down to the the last day. I guess it is maybe still, but it looks like it'll be goal difference if they all win their games. Um, Liverpool dropping points to Spurs. Did you see this one coming? I did not. No, I think I made the prediction last week that it'll be a, a boring City win. Liverpool win everything. City win by points. So this totally threw that out of whack. Um, I I really I can't explain it in so far as Spurs are just such a calamitous side to try and predict. One week they're getting outplayed by rubbish in the bottom half of the table the yep. next week they are superstars in keeping a really tight 5-3-2 defensive block like 
the amount of block shots in this game was just staggering. Yeah, agree. Um, and Liverpool pretty much did everything they could to try and win it as well. Like Klopp brought on Jota for Henderson, get that extra attacker in there for the midfielder. Um, it just, I don't know, nothing. You just have those days where you need to grind the result. I had a feeling like at some point, either City or Liverpool were going to have this sort of a draw in there. Um, but uh, I don't know. I guess I didn't expect it to be to be Spurs. <laughs> well, Spurs with everything to play for, obviously trying to claw that gap back to Arsenal. Against City this season, they've beaten them twice. So they've taken six points off of potentially the champions. Yep. Um, and, uh, you know... I think it's there's been a lot of chatter. They're sitting, they're sitting fifth in the table, so like it seems ridiculous for us to say we didn't expect it to be Spurs, but it just yeah, it just feels I like it feels illustrates that way. the gap between City, Liverpool, and everybody else is that whenever they yep. play anyone, you just don't think anyone's going to take points off of them, and you know maybe it feeds into the inconsistency of Chelsea down as well, but uh, yeah, I, it's weird because they always. I just maybe because Liverpool have that attacking three that you think can break down any defensive set, any circumstance. You know, it, we saw it a little bit with the equalizer, Luis Diaz doing his business. I thought it was funny that the goal came from a deflection from an attempted block shot. Like that was going to be the only way the ball was going to end up in the net. But you just, you expect Liverpool to be able to do that to such a level that they just win games on the back of those individual moments. I mean, Van Dijk yep. hit the crossbar from a header, but in saying that Hoiberg hit the post from a speculative long range effort as well. So they were, they were good value for this. No good value Spurs for sure. Um, did you see the post game uh, comments from Klopp? Uh, I saw a little bit, but go on. Well, it probably feeds into how Spurs did so well. Klopp described what Conte is doing as anti-football not anti-football, but football that he doesn't like, football that he wouldn't personally play nor would he support. It kind of feeds into what we were saying about Simeone a few weeks ago with the the Atleti um, Champions League game. Yeah. Do you think that Spurs, with the talent that they have at their disposal, should they be playing this anti-football kind of? I don't think Spurs have a particularly great squad. At all, you don't. No, nah, I don't. I don't think they do. They they have you know, Kane, Hyung, uh, Hyung Min. Um, I, I rate Hoiberg, but outside of that, I don't think they're a particularly good squad. No, I think that's interesting. Loris is one of the. He's been one of the best keepers in the Premier League for the last ten yeah. years, without a doubt. Fantastic. Uh, I really like Sessegnon, who probably hasn't really developed into an every week locked on starter, but will, I think over time, like become that player. Like, and like you said, they've got Kane and Son up top. Sonny, he's scored 20 goals now this season. Uh, the most, if you take out penalties, which I know you don't like, but you know, 20 goals without scoring from a set piece is pretty good return. Yeah. yeah I, th- in- I think that, um, that plays into my point about the squad though is, they're so heavily reliant on a couple of guys. Uh, that's yeah. just the way I feel about it. I suppose Kulisevsky yeah. is probably, once he gets a preseason under his belt, will yep. be able to add to the dynamism of that front three. Um, but yeah, no, I see where you're coming from. I mean, Ben Davies, pretty average. Benton Kerr, I mean, he's okay. I think he can be better. He hasn't really shown. Oh, uh, can I sell it to you this potential. way? 
Yeah, do it. I think Conte... I don't think Conte rates his squad all that highly. To go out and play this style because this isn't a Conte... Conte has done it before, but Conte is capable of adapting and changing depending on what's needed. He, If you watch his inter side that won the league, they were, they were incredible to watch. They were so yes. good to watch. Um, yes. And I, I believe... When he was at Chelsea, where they, they seemed a bit like up and down with it. Yeah. And this is what he's like at Spurs. Could be more Sometimes they will come out and take on the team. If he doesn't think they're a chance, though, which, you know, you're right to think you're not a chance against Liverpool, uh, he will go for that anti-football approach. Is this the only way to beat Liverpool or to get a point off of Liverpool? I think so. Yeah. It's kind of grim when you think about it. And I think that's what Real Madrid are going to do in the Champions League final. Oh, well, that's, nice. that's what they're going to try and do, isn't it? They're going to sit... They're just going to sit and hold them. That's what they do. Real Madrid playing five, 10-minute patches where they try to score a couple of goals. Bang, bang, hit on the yeah. counter. That's they're all they're going to be able to do. Why would you yeah. want to sit any higher and risk the likes of Mane and Salah, get, Salah getting in behind you? Yeah, and doing their thing. Yeah. You're, you're right. I mean, they were extremely fortunate against Chelsea in that second leg not to be further behind. And I think maybe you could see a blitzkrieg from Liverpool and they could be three up. By halftime, maybe it'll be a reverse. It'll be a reverse could, yeah. Istanbul. Absolutely, that'll be funny. Uh, we'll we'll keep it moving along, but I'll just ask you this: uh, What do you think? Um, so obviously, pressure probably now. Say they don't get the Premier League, pressure on FA Cup and Champions League finals. Hmm. If they win both of them, they come away with a treble, with two cups, and a Champions League. Would that satisfy a Liverpool supporter or do you want the league? This would be a good one to throw out to Liverpool supporters. Interesting. Yeah, I, I honestly don't know. I would, it's easy for me to sit here and say uh, yeah. you'd want, you'd, they probably want the Premier League. I given think so. They've already had the European success, FA Cups, you know, that it's the FA Cup. I don't, think, uh, I don't think the FA Cup plays into it too much, whether they win or lose it. Um, but definitely the Champions League final. And it's I, I think they'd be after more league success, given that they had 30 years without one. And then they emphatically won that last one. Yeah. But the crowds weren't there the co- like because of COVID. There were no... I'm not saying it doesn't count. I'm just saying there wasn't crowds there to enjoy it and mm. live live the moments inside the stadium. And we know how, how loud Anfield can be when, everyone's, when it's full and everyone's pumping. But they missed out on that. So I don't know. Like... Yeah. Given they've been so agonizingly close before and may well fall just three points short this time around or even miss out on goal difference, depending on what happens. Um, But it's funny you say the FA Cup doesn't really matter because if they win the Champions League and the FA Cup, I think that would be acceptable not winning the Prem. But if they only win the Champions League and lose to Chelsea in the FA Cup final, I think they would be not satisfied. Yeah. Okay. So it's yeah, it's kind of just a. It would be it would hurt more losing to Chelsea, I think, and throwing away two opportunities to win a title. Yeah. Alternatively, now, because uh, Man City absolutely pumped Newcastle five 0 to get that gap, they've got the points gap. They've now got the goal difference gap. Um, is winning the league enough for City? Because alternatively, for them, it's the Champions League that they'd want. 
isn't it? This is this is the great dichotomy between the two teams. Yeah. And Pep, what did Pep come out and say during the week? He's been throwing barbs at Liverpool and Klopp all week, talking about how the media love Liverpool more and everyone wants to see Liverpool win, and that uh, uh, Liverpool, making comments about Liverpool only winning one league title in thirty years or whatever yeah. it is. Just that's just petty Pep stuff that he's carried with him since being at Barcelona and he still carries it and it does my head in. You call it Pep stuff. Uh... This is the guy, he always has the best squad in a league and the most money to spend in a league and wins it, and then, but then wins about everyone else. I wonder if he's just trying to drum up some kind of long-lasting rivalry between his side and Liverpool because I think you remember title successes more when you have a direct opponent and a direct competition over that dynasty, like the Man U Arsenal days or the Galacticos uh, Barcelona days. Um, I think you always need that foil. You always need the team to play off against. I yeah. wonder if he's just yeah. trying to drum up this artificial rivalry because there's not really a rivalry between these two teams other than they're both successful. I don't, I don't think he's trying to drum it up. I think it's a direct result of the pressure, the pressure mm. of the title fight. And trying to deflect when you when you're constantly fighting the same opponent as well, you know they're toe to toe with Liverpool the whole way. It's like um, probably no one else maybe get this analogy on here, but MotoGP, Valentino Rossi days with Casey Stoner and Jorge Lorenzo, Mm -hmm. like they're just when you're going toe to toe with the same people for so long. uh, Max Verstappen, Lewis Hamilton, yeah. When you go toe to toe with the same person for so long, fighting for the same goal, uh, there's the tension's going to build. The tension builds, the pressure builds, and that leads to people saying things and you know making comments here and there, and things get heated, and yeah. that's that's all that's happening. Rights. Pep Pep knows he's feeling the pressure. He's lost the Champions League as well, which I think is probably mounting massive pressure on him. Of course, he's got that really unwanted record. I think it's six Champions League semifinals. He's now lost. No manager has lost more than yep. him. Uh, yeah, they're the eternal. It's not even bridesmaids. They haven't even got to the altar. They're, they're sitting in the crowd wondering why they weren't in the bridal party. Yeah. So there you go. I don't know if you have yeah, anything if I, more to add on them, but... Yeah, maybe I'll just fall on City would want to win the Champions League more and Liverpool would want to win the Premier League more. And if they, that's, that's where they I fall. come to yeah. it, a gentleman's agreement and they want to swap at the end of the season. <laughs> swap trophies. <laughs> yeah. Win the, go out and win them and swap them. Yeah. I think that's what yeah. we should do in the name of equality. My uh, my internal bias towards Ancelotti really wants him to win the Champions League, though. But um, but yeah, good luck Liverpool and good luck City for the rest of the season. They've they both deserve the success, don't they? Well, they they don't deserve it, but they are no, I mean, the ones. That I mean, be... <laughs> these sets these sets of players that are okay, yes. so much better than everyone else. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah, true. True. They have made that very clear this season. Yeah. Moving on to another guy who's probably deserved the title he's got now. Uh, Rangers fans won't want to hear this, but I think he has deserved it. He's earned it. Ange Postacoglu, Celtic now, unless they lose their last two games by <laughs> six goals <laughs> and Rangers win both theirs by six nil and seven nil or something like that, then it can't be overturned. It's a 24 goal goal difference. The points are there as well. Ange Postacoglu now has a title on three different continents. Um, he's making a bit of noise over there. And this guy was 
not looked kindly upon when he joined Celtic at the start of the season. No, and there's been a lot of receipts issued over the last couple of days. Yeah. <laughs> it just goes to show you how fickle the punditry game is because I guess they make you pick a side. Is he going to be good? Is he going to be shit? You can't just say, oh, you know, I don't really know a lot about this guy. Let's just give him a chance and see what happens. Sometimes it may be good. Sometimes yes, it may be shit. Maybe shit. He, after, well, didn't he lose his first three games in charge? And it He looked, lost his first three away games. Uh, first three away games. Yeah. And it did look a little bit patchy to begin with, but, I mean, we knew. That's just Ange getting his style across, getting his mentality, getting, getting the players in yeah. as well. He didn't have the players at his disposal that he has now at the end of the season. Uh, yeah. It's What a phenomenal effort. This guy is a genius, right? Can we call him a genius? Uh, in Australian footballing terms, I'm going to give it a yes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just the, the points that he overturned from last season to this season, the gap that he the bridged. The squad that he overturned. Succumbed. Yeah. He, um, you know, uh, he took a squad that was terrible last season and on its last legs. And the the amount of turnover, the amount of signings that he made this season and and got them right as well, you know, and he's revitalized a guy like like Joe Hart, whose career yes. has just fallen apart. Epitomizes it. Joe Hart is a, is a big one because there's a lot made about how Ange wants to play his passing style of football. And, of course, that means people over – they overthink the goalkeeper role. And they go, oh, well, you know, Joe Hart's not good with his feet. How's he going? Joe Hart's still a professional footballer. And if you're playing out from the back, all Joe Hart needs to do is make 15-yard, 10, 15-yard passes yeah, to the defender. That's all he has to do. Um, and he was competent enough of that, and he kept the ball out of the net very well. They spent – Celtics spent a bunch of money on a keeper last season, bringing in from, uh, from the Greek league, Barkas, from AK mm-hmm. Athens, I think. Excellent with his feet, but he couldn't keep the ball out the net. So what's the point? So Joe Hart comes in, does a phenomenal job. A bunch of the other players did. I'm trying not to make, I don't want to make this a Celtic chat. This is about Ange and just how he really nailed those signings. Um, yeah. And he, he got the faithful on side as well, I think, which was the most important thing. He did. He read the room. He reads the room really well. He knows what to say and what to, I think most of it is just being like, um, you could say, People should always just be honest and be themselves, but that's not always the case because some people don't know how to be honest without being dickheads. And yeah. knows how to, you know, just he reads the room well. Um, I think he know, he knows himself well enough. And like when you know does. yourself and you can portray yourself in the way that you know is genuine, people read that and they accept that. And that's yeah. what the players did, the coaching staff, the fans, the media after a while. I mean, the amount of clips that I saw of Edge addressing a journalist that was like, oh, I can't believe he said this to a journalist. And it's like, he's literally just telling them what he thinks. He's just told him he's going to have a day off on Sunday rather than watch Rangers. But without being, yeah, but without being a dick about it or, you know, making a a scene. Um, I think definitely this week, not just because I'm a Celtic fan, but, um, you know, lots and lots of pride for an Australian manager doing this i think you know had he done this for say hypothetically say it was rangers he that had signed him and he did this Mm. for them i I wouldn't share the same happiness but i would definitely still feel that pride as as a lover of australian football um if i can rewind back to do you remember 
long, long time ago when Ange was in charge of the Oli Ruse and you and I were both uh, ripping him at the time. Uh-huh. And Craig Foster did that interview where he absolutely ripped him. Um, what do you what do you think of that looking back now? I think we were justified at the time because he wasn't. Well, I mean, the problem is we didn't know the full story at the time. I don't know if he was giving the tools to succeed. And I feel like what we saw with the Socceroos, it was kind of almost like a flashback to what happened with the Oli Roos squad. Uh, I thought we were justified at the time because they underperformed. He had a decent group of players. Yeah, He couldn't instill his philosophy in the way that he wanted to play upon them. Um, maybe he was still finding his feet in the professional yeah. realm because he had great success with South Melbourne. Um, but that it's still kind of a bridge to the Australian setup or even a bridge to the A-League. It was the A-League where we saw him really find his feet and you create a team like Rossalona you go 36 unbeaten. Your recruitment is great. Again, he identified with the fans. We've never seen 50,000 at Suncorp since. Yeah. Everything about that was just such a magical moment. And everything from that, I think, is he's used that as his archetype. He's taken it to Marinos. Now he's taken it to Celtic. Success, success, uh, success. What's the limit for this guy? I mean, surely the Premier League comes knocking now. Um, yeah, potentially. So I was thinking like he... You know, maybe I think you're right. Yeah, he was probably still trying to find his feet as well. Uh, but also, I, the more I think about it, the more I don't think a junior uh, kind of it's it's kind of junior football at an international level is the place to try and install a, a philosophy or something or like a Definitely particular not, yeah. style of football like that. The amount of time you get to spend with the players, I know it ended up working with the Socceroos, but you know you're working with better players, uh, more skilled, more adapt players. But and young together more young players that are still learning the game, let alone this very specific and kind of style of football, is um, yeah, it probably just wasn't the right setting for him yeah. to be doing that. Because I remember in his interview talking about. He was telling Craig, like, why don't you come down and see what we're doing? Like, see mm. what's happening at training, see what we're working on. So there was obviously a bigger picture there. I think Ange probably didn't realise that it just it's not going to work like that at that kind of level. But then, you know, you get into a club setting or, you know, a higher Socceroo setting where you can spend more time with the players and you've got better players to work with, then that definitely plays a huge part. But, yeah, what a transformation. What a, what a guy. Just, uh, yeah, he deserves every bit of success. And I think we saw when Craig and Ange kind of met, was it a few months ago in the Stan Sport interview? And they kind of hashed out what they had to say. And Craig even said, uh, Craig Foster said the same thing. He was like, it's, we, we weren't privy to what you were trying to do. And you weren't, you get one camp basically with an ever-changing list of players because such is the inconsistency yep. of young players form. You probably had a bunch of new players come in. Um, yeah, all is forgiven for that because we know the Socceroos and the Oliroos issues run far deeper than just who the manager is. Yeah, I, it's definitely a good lesson. In I think in Australia, especially a lot of the time, people get hung up on one thing happening, and that's their opinion on someone for life. Yeah, it's and you gotta you can't be like that. And that's not just a football thing; that's a life thing. Can't yeah. be like that. Yeah, we're that's getting a, deep here now. It's yeah. a moral lesson for everybody. There you there. go. Hey, let's talk about a 
I've got another manager here who we absolutely ripped to pieces the other week after their Champions League exit. Diego Simeone. The Madrid derby over the weekend was on. And Atletico beat Real Madrid 1-0. And you'd think that would be cause for me to praise Simeone's approach. It should be. It's not. <laughs> what, what does he have to do? It reinforces do? my point. Okay. Atletico came out and, oh, you know, this is a Real Madrid side that have already won the league and they rested a few guys and stuff, blah, blah, blah. But it's still a Madrid derby. Atletico still had to come out and, you know, perform. Real Madrid still had to try to as well. But they've gone out. Atletico have absolutely pumped them. They only won 1-0 thanks to a penalty, but they dominated the game, created all the chances. And... Yeah, I think that just reinforces my point from the other week. Why don't you try and play football more, Atletico? Because it turns out you're pretty good at it. They're pretty good at football, those guys. They are. Do you not think that maybe this is a contest that suits Atletico Madrid, though, such as what we said about Real Madrid only 10 minutes ago, that they like to score in phases of play. They're happy to sit in and let the other team. I mean, Real Madrid had more of the ball, but. In saying that, it did feel like Atleti had the better chances and were in the ascendancy for the vast majority of the game. Maybe they're just more suited to playing against a side like Real Madrid compared to uh, Liverpool, for example. I think most people are more suited to playing a Real Madrid than playing <laughs> Liverpool. But my point stands. All those good I'm players sh- in there, they played good football. They mm. created... They, created clear, they should have won two, three, maybe four nil. They hit the post a few times, forced some good saves, and they just... Griezmann, for some reason, had a shocker in front of goal in the second half and couldn't get one on in the net. Uh, but they just... It just proved to me that they can play football very well yeah. and they should do it more. They should. It's annoying because they've obviously got Correa, Cunha, Carrasco, and then to bring on the off-the-bench Griezmann, Rodrigo de Paul. The players like, in the squad. Is... Lorente, Coque. Oh. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty Jao wild. Felix. It's pretty wild. Yeah, no Zhao in this game. Yeah. I think they still get up, um, but obviously Real Madrid weren't there, right? That's what we can say. Yeah, there you go. That's that my little, that's my little athletic thing I needed to squeeze in because it is worth mentioning they won the derby. But at, uh, Real with bigger fish to fry now with the yeah. the Champions League coming up. But it's, so. it's good for Atleti because they should qualify for the Champions League now. So that's a huge, yeah. huge result in their quest for that. Yeah, and that because they would be relying on Champions League money to keep funding the the wages they spend as well. So have um, they have to make Champions League. That's you know, it's pretty much all wrapped up now. Looking at this, Betis lost on the weekend, and so does Sociedad. So yeah. that should about do it. Should about do it. Uh, do we have anything else? I was still trying to think of that. Someone lost four 0 in the Premier League on the weekend. It wasn't Norwich. It wasn't. Someone lost four 0 and it was. Let me. I feel like it was, it was a fights. big club. It was City beat Newcastle 5 0. Yeah, but so that's well, that's one half of Manchester. I feel like there was a, who, who did Brighton play? Because they, they had a good result, didn't they? Didn't they win? Yeah. Oh, they won. They went 4 0. Let me check. Hang on. Yeah. I'm going to Google it. Yeah, Google it. Should have yeah. done this research prior. Yeah, what we, we got? Man City 5 0. Everton 1. Liverpool 1 1. Palace 1. Yep. Chelsea threw away a lead. Uh, Villa beat Burnley. Brentford oh. won 3-0. Is that who you're thinking of? No, I wasn't thinking of Brentford. Oh, I, can't, I can't think of who it must be. It must, you know. We should leave it. 
we should we leave just, it. Yeah. We should wrap the pot up. Well, someone, a team from somewhere in England who used to be really big and massive and famous. And they have, they, I think they have like this guy who's like a world-class player. Like he won a bunch of Ballon d'Ors. I can't remember, but they went out and lost four nil on the weekend, but I, I can't think of their name right now. It escapes me, but I'm sure if they're listening, they know who they are. Um, yeah. Uh, thanks. Episode 65 done and dusted. Uh, tune in for 65.1 to hear about the Reds home final coming up this week. And yeah, go Seagulls.